All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. You're listening to Oilers Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. One hour of straight hockey talk with Dan, Rick, Tyler, and Bag Milk starts now. Listen, we're starting Oilers Nation Radio today. I am sitting in the producer's chair. I don't need you, Tyler. So I've got buttons. We're doing this remotely. I don't think we're going to leave that part in the podcast because... I'm sitting at home with my roadcaster. Bag Milk is at the office with his roadcaster. I hit start recording, and then as I'm playing the intro the first time, Bag Milk just goes, all right, three, two, one, and then fires another intro from his end. It was a shit show. <laughs> I, need a new, I have a new restaurant idea. Dueling roadcasters. Exactly. Huh? <laughs> huh? Sound effects back and forth. And <laughs> every, every dinner that anybody has. Tyler, I am on buttons. Leave okay. your shit alone. Faded down. That's a joke. An absolute joke is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. As we do every week, we get started off with this nation radio for our friends at Oodle Noodle. New location opening up in Calgary very, very soon this month. Seeing the folks in Calgary will have a delicious place to eat. Need an upgrade. Promise you, you're going to enjoy it. And if you're here in the city, you want to get a little Tuesday din din, but you're feeling lazy, our friends at DoorDash will be there for you. Liam, fresh one, please. Ding dong. Thank you very much. Mr. Uremchuk, now is your turn. Mm-hmm. What do you have for a delicious debate today? Today's Oodle Noodle Delicious Debate. The Oilers are beginning a big week against a couple of Pacific Division opponents, including a game on Saturday against the Vegas Golden Knights. With not a lot of hockey going on over the last couple of days from an Oilers perspective, I've taken some time to look at the Pacific Division and think about the way things sit right now. Vegas is eight points up on the Oilers with the same amount of games played, and everyone wants to crown the Golden Knights Pacific Division champions, and I'm not buying it quite yet. So I want to know from you guys, what percent chance do you give the Oilers of catching the Golden Knights right now? Before I give you your answers, boys, let me just run through the standings here. We have got Vegas 13 and 3, just a sparkling record to start off the season. 26 points. Los Angeles next up. They are the Oilers opponent for tomorrow. They are 10, 7, and 1. Seattle is in third place at 8, 5, and 3 with 19 points. The Edmonton Oilers are next up at 9, 7, and 0. Calgary, San Jose, Vancouver, Anaheim round out the division. Who is going to jump in first? Liam, I'm looking at you. So you're the only one in the room. Only one here. Uh, I think they got a pretty good chance of catching them. Like they haven't played them yet. Like I think it's hard to say 
you know, what what this team truly is at the moment. Like, what have they played? Calgary and Vancouver, the only Pacific Division teams the others have played, right? Yep. yep. Yeah. So there's like, there's a long way to go. How, did they play Vegas three or four times? Three. Uh, who knows with the schedule this year? It's so odd. Yeah. So they play them three. They play Calgary three. It's just, I guess you kind of would almost want to play those teams four. I think we play them four. I think we play them four because we're in Vegas twice. And I, I vaguely remember them being here twice too. Correct. Sorry, okay. Dan is right. Uh, just to update people, they play obviously this Saturday. They play the 14th in Vegas against the Golden Knights. They play the 25th of January, March, and then the 28th of March. Can you say that again, though, Tyler? 25th in right. March and 28th no, no, of March. Dan is right. Oh, Dan, sorry, is, Dan right. is right. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but I, I was going to say, Liam, I'm, I'm going to just steal it from you. As the only person that believed in Vegas at the start of this podcast this year, this season, uh, I think that this team is probably here to stay in the top two. I do think the Edmonton Oilers catch them by the end of the year. The The fact that Vegas hasn't gone out and had to get a goal yet is, is crazy to me. Um, and they're winning hockey games because of it. So I, I just think that Vegas is this good of a team and that we talked about it. I think it was on this podcast last week, talked about how they were shuffling around with a cap and trying to keep stone off, but get Eichel in. And, you know, it was just a mess for them towards the finish line last year. And I think they just don't have any of that this year. So I, I like Vegas's chances to be up there, but I do think Vegas pass or Edmonton passes up at the last minute. The team that I'm most surprised by, if I'm looking at the standings right now, is there's no way Seattle's going to stick in third place by the end of the year. I just don't buy that for a second. Like, yeah, they've had a nice start to the season. They're scoring goals. They've got 52 goals. They're, they're, um, they've got a plus seven goal differential. All that's really nice. They're six, three, and one in their last 10, but they have lost two in a row. I just, I see Seattle as the year wears on, just kind of trailing back. The other two, though, Vegas and LA, I can absolutely see them being in the mix. Both teams are good. The question about uh, Vegas's goaltending for me seems to have, seems to be okay, at least right now. So, I don't know how much movement really to expect there outside of Seattle dropping. Yeah, Tyler? I think that's probably pretty fair. Uh, the numbers I was looking at for Oilers Nation every day, like Vegas's PDO is the fifth highest in the league. And for those who follow the numbers, like usually you regress to the mean at some point, right? Um, so Vegas's PDO is pretty high. I could see them falling back. And also you look at the numbers for their two goalies. Logan Thompson's at a 925. Yeah, he still has not even played 40 games in his NHL career. I'm not willing to say Logan Thompson's a 925 goalie for his entire career. Same weight reason I'm not willing to say Stuart Skinner is going to be a 935 goalie for his entire career. I think he'll Thompson will fall back, and Aiden Hill's proven he's not a 920 caliber goalie. So I think both these guys will fall back, but where I'll give them a little bit more credit than maybe I was giving willing to give them at the beginning of the year, I think Bruce Cassidy is a damn good short-term coach. I think eventually he loses the room like we saw in Boston and the, and he's a little bit too demanding, but he's kind of like those, uh, who's the soccer one? Mourinho, Jose Mourinho? Yes, uh, I yeah. think so. Isn't it, Liam? Yep, can like, confirm. Like you bring him in to get you in a way, you, you bring him in to get a title and then it kind of sours quickly, right? <laughs> and I think and that's kind of what Bruce Cassidy almost is, is you bring him in to like, pedal to the floor for a year or two because it's your championship window. And I think he's getting the most out of this Vegas team, and I think he'll continue to get a lot. But I mentioned the PDO. They're also playing at 133-point pace. They are not going to put up one of the best regular seasons in NHL history. They're going to go on a slide right away, but the Oilers are at a 92-point pace, so they have a lot of work to kind of make up that ground. But I still think there's a chance they do it. I'm not willing to say 50-50, but I'd give the Oilers a 25% chance of catching Vegas. If you're listening to this right now and you have no idea what the fuck Tyler's talking about when he says PDO, basically PDO is the sum of a team's shooting percentage and its save percentage multiplied by 10. So every anything over like one point, whatever, it's high. Yeah. It's high. And Seattle's is high right now. So uh, Liam, what about Seattle? What do you see from them? Well, I think it's interesting that Martin Jones is kind of the guy for them right now. Isn't Grubauer injured? Yeah, right? both Grubauer and Drieger are injured. Yeah, so I guess that could be a bonus for them, but we haven't really seen a great Grubauer in Seattle. Like he, had, mm. he has an 860 save percentage in the four games he's played this season. They're not getting like, it's not like one guy is carrying them, which I think is the most intriguing thing. They just don't have a guy that's putting up like a goal, a point and a half a game. Like 
I don't think they actually have any point per game players from what I was looking at. So it seems like a bit of a team effort. I think they're probably good enough to compete for a wild card spot, but I don't expect them to be in that third spot. Like you said, bag milk, they're just not strong enough as a team. Like Oliver Bjorkstrand was supposed to come in and score goals. He has one this season. Jordan Eberle has four. The leading goal scorers are Tanev and Schwartz with five goals. Uh, sorry, Benias with five goals on Tanev. So I don't know. It just feels like they're one of those teams that's bound to go on a bit of a bad run here and really fall off. Well, and you, I mean, you can't fight with that lineup when they can't even spot it, find a spot for Shane Wright within it, right? It's it's crazy to me to see, but I think that the NHL got it right this time with the expansion draft and with Seattle. It feels like that's the exactly what I would want out of an expansion team is just a team that's kind of middle of the ground and they're going to have to scrap for their points. And so, uh, yeah, I'm with you, Liam. I think that Martin Jones is probably buoying a lot of the uh, – the numbers in Seattle a little bit more than than he will over the entire season, and then definitely if they bring back Grubauer and put him in the net. I have a sorry. I want a question to you, Dan. When you said the NHL got it right on the expansion, is that like the teams did better this time or protected? Yes. Sorry. Yeah, that's a great great question. Yes, in the fact in the sense that the thirty one other teams didn't hand over players trying to protect a player that they coveted, like they did with Vegas. And Vegas, Vegas, by all rights, if you remove the William Carlsons and the um, there's another name that I'm escape is escaping Jonathan Marchessault. Yeah, March or so. Um, you you remove those names off of that team, and then you have a middle ground again, floundering to kind of keep things going. Now, Flurry was an extra element there that helped them, where that Seattle doesn't have that, as we've seen with Grubauer, which they were supposed to. We all thought that they were going to have a better goalie in Grubauer than they do. Looking at the Pacific again, Vegas 1, LA 2, Seattle 3, Edmonton 4, Calgary 5, San Jose 6, Vancouver 7, and then Anaheim dead last in 8th. What is the biggest surprise for all of you just in this early going of the season when it comes to the Pacific Division? Liam, again, I'm looking at you. Is it crazy to say (laughs) the Edmonton Oilers? Why is that? Because they're just not consistent at all. Like I thought this team was going to be have a way better start to the year. Jack Campbell hasn't been what we thought he was going to be. You know, the depth scoring really hasn't been there outside of, I guess, Hyman Nugent, uh, what's the other guy's name, Kane. I feel like I expected more from this team to start the season, especially last season they started pretty well, right? And then they, last year. Yeah, so, you know, after coming off that and into this season, like I just feel like we haven't seen the best of the Edmonton Oilers yet, so I would say that's probably the biggest surprise for me because Vegas coming back to it, like I get it, they're, Good, good team, a lot of good players. It doesn't surprise me that much that they've come, got off to such a good start. Dan, what about you? Who's the, what's the biggest surprise for you in the uh, Pacific so far? For me, it has to be Vancouver. Vancouver is utterly shocking. I thought they had, I thought they had at least a playoff team worthy lineup there, uh, especially when you have Thatcher Demko as your goalie. I've just been, you know, we we get a chance to speak to some of our Canucks Army friends every Tuesday morning, and it's just been, you know, like watching us five years ago on repeat, watching the Decade of Darkness take over in, in Vancouver and, you know, talking about firing your coach we're not even we're not even 20 games into the season for teams and and they're already looking at getting rid of the guy that they brought in last year that we created an entire hashtag out of Bruce there it is so i mean it's for me yeah vancouver has just been shocking like i said i thought i thought for sure they were going to be a playoff team and even when they'd lost like 7 and 8 in a row i didn't really think it was that crazy of a you know just a bad slide and you get it fixed but it doesn't seem like it uh, Chris Faber from Canucks Army said he feels like a coaching change is coming real soon. So the folks over at Sierra are preparing for that. Tyler, what about you? Biggest surprise in the Pacific so far? I, I think Seattle is kind of one of the obvious answers, but I'll go with the Calgary Flames as my choice. Yes, they're seven, six, and two. Yes, they're only two points back of the Oilers with a game in hand. So they could be, you know, right at the same spot Edmonton is with one more victory. But Jacob Markstrom has turned into a pumpkin. He's got an 889 save percentage. He's been brutal to start the year. There's already friction with Huberto and Sutter. They had Huberto playing on the third line. And they're clearly struggling to score. I think the Flames and just how discombobulated they've looked early, it's surprising. It's a good pick, Tyler. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have picked them because I wasn't that surprised when they signed Jonathan Huberto to a long-term contract without seeing him play. Sorry, Liam, I interrupted you. One thing I am surprised about with the Flames is 
they're scoring at the same rate as San Jose and Anaheim right now. <laughs> That's surprising. They've got 47 goals. San Jose also has 47 goals. Uh, Anaheim trailing behind with 42, but the lack of offense just overall from the Flames has been surprising to me. But that was what that, I mean, like their entire summer was spent selling the fan base on Kadri, Huberto, and Uyghur. And, and you don't, I, I don't blame them because those are the guys that they have. But I mean, the whole summer we were told that everything was fine and that they were going to be better without Kachuk and Gaudreau. And now I don't think Columbus and Florida are exactly singing the praises of Gaudreau and Kachuk, but I, I do really, it, you know, to me it's shocking as a fan base up here, seeing how much they were talking and how great they were going to be this offseason. Well, to his credit, I, I mean, I'm looking at Nazem Kadri right now. He's got seven. Yes. 11 assists, 14 points in 15 games. So he's kind of holding up his end of the bargain. Uh, 100%. Two goals, five assists, seven points in 12 games. Probably want a little more from the $10 million guy. Yeah, I, I've never been a Huberto guy. Why? I no? just, he just feels like, how do I word this? Like, he just never felt like a star to me. Like, the guy, like, last year when he was in, like, the hot trophy conversation, there was never a point throughout there where I thought, oh, yeah, this is Huberto's to lose. Like, he's just not a star player. And I just, it, the trade was so odd. Like, you get Mackenzie Wieger, of course. And, like, if Kachuk didn't want to be there, I get it. You got to move on from him. But Huberto just doesn't feel like a Daryl Sutter kind of guy. And now you sign him to an eight year ticket. So, to me, that leads to is Sutter likely gone? He's like, if he's not going to work with their most expensive player, what are they going to do? Have Huberto and. Uh, Milan Lucic in the bottom six every night at 16 million on your cap or whatever Lucic is making in your bottom six. It just seems weird. Like it just seems like everything has gone so poorly wrong for Calgary, but it also felt a little obvious that this was very much in the cards. Well, one thing that's interesting too is like Dan said, they signed Huberto when they didn't really need to. He had another nope. year contract and last year was by far an outlier in terms of his career production. Yeah. He did have that season in 2018, 19 where he scored 92 points in 82 games, but 115 in 80 games is that is a big year. Yeah. Huge. And they paid, they paid for him. It's like what the oldest did with nurse. Yes. That's exactly for, what it is. They paid for him too early. Like, I understand like you probably like, cause even when we were having those meetings and the guys in Calgary were talking to all, oh, well, what if we lose Huberto now too? Does nobody want to stay in Calgary? And I guess they probably wanted to shake that narrative a little bit too. The, yep. the organization now like, Oh no, star players do want to play in Calgary. That's and exactly now it. in 15 games for Calgary and Huberto's on the third line. Like five and star player is almost worse. If I see I, that, it's, I coined you know, it the summer of PR in Calgary. It was just, it was, and you said it well, Liam, like they really had to sell a fan base that they weren't going to turn around and lose another batch of star players from their, from their recent losses in the summer. So yeah, I, I you know, it's, it, it was a really, really bold statement to make. And this is the bed that you're now laying in it. And we love it up here. Tyler thoughts on Huberto? Yeah, like I think you guys kind of nailed it. With, this is oh, who he no. is. Oh, the producer is uh, on mute. Ah, okay, I'm back. Oh, I'm back. no. Sorry. I think you nailed Dude. it from the sense of like they, they're getting what they paid for right now with Huberto. Seven points in 12 games is like more or less his career production. That's what Jonathan Huberto's always done. Two goals and five assists every 10 to 12 games. That's what you're going to get out of him. And you just jumped the gun paying him. And the thing that I find to be the most concerning or troubling from a Flames perspective is the way Sutter's handling him. You know, there was the thing in the media with, oh, he's taking a shit. And Frank Saravalli said a couple of times that that didn't sit well in the Flames room. Like, that was more of a calculated jab than maybe people think. Um, so the fact that there's friction between a guy who you've signed to be your head coach long-term and the guy whose eight-year extension doesn't kick in for another year, oh, boy. <laughs> Uh, there you go. So I want to know if you're listening to this Owen radio podcast on Twitter and Instagram, what is the biggest surprise for you in the Pacific division so far? We're about, I don't know, Tyler, can we get some of your Remchuk math? 15 games out of 82. What is that as a percentage for the Oilers or the flames? Anybody. The Oilers <laughs> are playing at a 92 point pace. The flames are potentially right around the same mark and Seattle's at like a 95 or sorry, uh, LA's at a 95 point pace. So I just, 
I also, I looked it up while we were talking here. Liam, you made a really good point of how Huberto has never really been a leader on his team. Even in junior hockey, when they won the Memorial Cup, he had one more point than Thomas Yurko, Michael Kirkpatrick, and Zach Phillips, all St. John Sea Dogs as well. So, like, a really, that Sea Dog team was just a really well-built team all throughout. He wasn't the superstar even in junior, which is rare to say about a superstar in hockey, right? A guy that they say is a superstar in hockey. Uh, shout out to Oilers legend Thomas Yurcho. Mm. Yes, never forget. never forget. What do you think he's up to? The other two names though, Michael for Michael Kirkpatrick and Zach Phillips. I think Zach Phillips was a first round pick or an early second to Minnesota. And Chris Kirkpatrick, of course, Correct. one of the founders. Twenty eighth overall. That's, that's, I was just about to say that. So there you go. Twenty <laughs> third overall. You said then twenty eighth, two thousand eleven. To who? Good pick, Minnesota. I knew it. Good pull by you. Uh, back to getting away from the flames and back to the Oilers because that's what we all care about. The Oilers just wrapped up a what I think is a pretty tough road trip at a, with a two and two record. So I'm just curious what everybody thought. What's your takeaway from that road trip? Again, I'm staring at Liam. What did you think? <laughs> um, can you play the key that says up and down like it's toilet seat? Yes, I may. Hang on. It's been up and down like a toilet seat, really. Yeah, they have it. Like this road trip, like the highs were high and the lows were low. There was so many negative things to come from it, but also positives. They won two games in Tampa Bay and Florida, but they also got smoked in Carolina and did well. uh, Sorry, and then lost poorly in Washington because the penalty kill was awful. You lose Kane. Campbell wasn't great, but on the plus side, Skinner was good. Warren Fogel is establishing himself again. Tyson Berry had a pretty good road trip. Like there was good things to say. Like we had a, talking about it on Oilers Nation every day yesterday too. It's like B minus C plus. Oh, okay. We're gonna give it a grade too after. I like that. Yeah, C minus B plus. Nation Dan. Wait, no. Go ahead. B minus C plus. I'm gonna give that explanation a C X. <laughs> Uh, yeah, see to the power of. Uh, Nation Dan, your thoughts on the two and two road trip? Uh, I will give it a, a C minus uh, if I'm going to give it a grade, just because a lot of, to me, the losses were self inflicted. It was a lot of stuff that, you know, like Leah mentioned with the Washington Capital loss. They get dusted on the power play in that game. And then the next game, they come out and they play lights out PK style. And it just made no sense at all. So that was a, it was like the, the Bermuda Triangle of road trips, some weird stuff. I hope get got left on that trip, like our horrendous power penalty kill, and uh, and some better positives, like Liam mentioned with Fogel and and those guys activating is the positives that we take away from it. So C minus. Tyler, what do you take away from that road trip? Yeah, I think for their play on the ice, I would give them a, a C plus B minus. Yeah, I'll go B minus. That's what I said on Oilers Nation every day, so I got to stick with it. You know, you won a couple of impressive games there. Beating Florida and Tampa is not easy, especially beating Tampa on the second of back-to-backs, but everything else, it was, you know, how poorly you showed up against the Washington Capitals, the PK being junk for that game, the way you dropped the ball against Carolina and Jack Campbell, you know, kind of giving us more reason to be concerned about him in that game, and then also losing Evander Kane is like a big, big part of that road trip story. And you're not going to have him now for a long time. So all of that just really negates the the two positives against Florida and Tampa. So that's why I settled on a B minus because, I mean, you don't want to be too hard on them when it comes to a guy like, uh, like, like losing Kane. But, man, I mean, you view that trip a lot differently if you go two and two and still have Kane in your lineup or go three and one and Kane's still in your lineup. Yeah, to me, that's, I think... The record is what it is, and you guys are all right. The Washington loss, devastating because the PK couldn't stop anything. Uh, Carolina, arguably the worst game of the year so far. But the loss is Evander Kane to me. Like, yeah, it sucks to lose those lose those potential four points, but losing him in the lineup for as long as they are, three, four, six months? Huh? Flexibility. I don't know. I don't look at it as that negative, but just because we're up against the cap, I think that that's the only positive you can take away from it. And it's a positive in that we can get Yanmark up here, maybe get Holloway down there. You know, it moves some roster spots around at least. Do you know, after watching the game on Saturday, I don't even think the positive is Yanmark. I think the positive was Clint Costin. Oh, yeah? He was pretty good. 
Like he did a lot of good things. He had that screen on the bar. Was it the very first or the second goal? He had another good chance in the third period. Like he skates really well for his size. Like I really do think this guy could be a positive contributor to this team. And I, th- I th- must have been on the pregame show that Tyler and I spoke about it. It's just we said it about Fogel. It's like just have a positive influence on the game, which Fogel did. And I think that's what a lot of the players in this bottom six need to do. Like, sure, it's great if you score a goal, but also if you're doing a lot of other positive things too to help out, I think that's just what the others need right now. Is No one's expecting anyone in this team to step in and replace a potential 30-goal scorer, 40-goal scorer in a Van der Kane. You just need to positively contribute to the game. Tyler, anything to add there? Yeah, no, I just agree. Like, I mean, the part of the reason why I think a lot of people give Kyler Yamamoto a lot of rope and a lot of leeway when he would go through these cold streaks because he is a streaky scorer is, okay, well, when he's not scoring, he's usually disrupting stuff on the forecheck, right? He's making some decent plays down low. He's extending cycles. He's going hard to the net. And part of the reason why, you know, people maybe don't have as long of a leash with a guy like Pugliarvi is because when things aren't going well for him, he's missing chances in the slot and he's not as engaged physically. That's part of the reason why I always find myself being harder on a guy like Warren Fogle, right? Because that's okay. If he's skating hard and hitting guys and just being just a shit disturber on the forecheck, then I don't care if he doesn't score for 10 games. That's fine. But it's sometimes when everything else and he looks a little unengaged, it's like, okay, you're a bottom six player in the in the NHL. The least you could do is control your effort, right? That is the one thing you can control is your effort. And sometimes it feels like with some of these guys, it's just not there consistently enough. Well, that's one of the reasons, Tyler, I love being an Edmonton Oilers fan. When I was a kid, going to those games, the Oilers, a very rare opportunity to go to a game every once in a while, and the Oilers would get their shit pumped. But the fans would be cheering when the the Oilers would clear the puck on a penalty kill, or the fans would be clearing or cheering when uh, the third line ground out 30 seconds in the offensive zone, even though they had no chance at getting close to the net because we just didn't have the talent that matched up with the rest of the league at that time. They, we loved effort. The city loves effort. And if we can point to the right things that you're doing away from the puck, and it's not just on a spreadsheet, this city will love that stuff. Uh, you guys, a, a few of you mentioned Warren Fogel and kind of stepping up his game. He had that beauty shorthanded goal against Tampa Bay, kind of like the celebration. You could see just the relief mm-hmm. that it just, it all came out. And then two games later, he gets bumped up in favor of Dylan Holloway to Leon Dreisaitl's line, ends up scoring the game winner against uh, whoever that was. Florida. Florida. <laughs> what do you guys think of Warren Fogel? Like, he's one of those guys when he has a little bit of confidence, he can be a whole lot more effective. And right now, Thankfully, it's coming at a good time. Liam, I'm looking at you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know what? We talked about it the other day, too. Like, Fogel hadn't scored a goal since, like, what was it, April 29th? It was 31 games. Oh, like, such a long time. And he was probably running through his head so, so much. Had to be. And to get two in three games, that's huge. And now, like you said, he's on the second line. I think that's good. I think it's good that Woodcroft is rewarding positive play and that spot was up for grabs like Holloway I think he did okay in the position I think it's fair to say he did fine if he got that shootout goal like maybe that would have changed everything but he, he didn't ultimately so you got to go with a hot hand and Fogel right now is the hot hand on this team in that bottom BC group I guess uh Nation Dan your thoughts on Warren Fogel Oh yeah. I mean, I said it just a minute ago, you know, you see, we talked about it on the podcast and then immediately all of us retracted everything we said bad about him because he had a really good hardworking game and he was rewarded with, by putting the puck in the net. So yeah, it's just, it's, it's, you get those big hits, you get the crowd going, you get the the team going and then good things happen for you. And then you start to just see the, the success flow. So it's just, it's, it's a tried tested and true formula. And I hope that other players on this team watch and want to do it too. Tyler is somebody who's kind of pointed out Warren Fogel is like, Hey man, we need you to score. What is he doing differently now? That's leading to some of that success, at least for you. I think he's playing a good and the, playing with Drysaddle was a shining example of this. A good, simple, complimentary game, right? Like I just kind of outlined the stuff that I'd like to see a little bit more from a guy like Fogel, right? Get in hard on the forecheck. Don't make bad turnovers. Hit everything that moves. And when you get a chance, rip the damn thing. And against Florida, 
He picked up that puck, didn't really like dust it off all too much, didn't try to make an extra move, didn't even really try to pick a corner. He just grabbed it and was like, I'm going to shoot this thing because Leon Dreisaitl put it on my tape. And if he just keeps doing that, he can stay in the top six for as long as he wants. Looking at uh, the line combos, Bob Stoffer tweeted these up from practice today. We've got Nuge, McDavid, Pugliarvi, Fogel, Dreisaitl, Hyman. So Fogel's going to get another look at least to start tomorrow on Dreisaitl's line. Yanmark, McLeod, Costin is your new third line. Holloway down to the fourth with Shore and Ryan, uh, Narcisi, Kulak, Bouchard, Nimaline, and Barry. What are you guys thinking about Dylan Holloway on the fourth line? Like, if this is where he's going... If this is where he's playing, at least to start, and again against Florida, he only played six fifty-five after getting pulled off Leon's line. Could you see Benson, who is now practicing with the team, just kind of sliding into that spot, and then Holloway moves back down to Bakersfield? I I think that's the play. I think that's been the play for a couple of weeks now. To be honest, is Benson didn't lose his spot on this team; he just got hurt, and I think he deserves every right to come back and prove that again that he is the guy to play on that that fourth line, maybe even third line, depending on how well he plays. I think the Evander Kane injury obviously changed a lot of things. Holloway was given that top six, that top six a spot, didn't really grasp it. Did okay, like you said, but now you have Fogel who stepped in, played well. It just feels like, just send him down, send him down for a month, send him down till Christmas. Like, just give him some time to gain some momentum back in his legs, feel the puck more, score a couple of goals, and then just bring him back and probably be a different player. I wrote the exact same thing on Sunday, I guess, in my random thoughts column. It's just, right now, it's almost as if, if Holloway makes a mistake, he's going to get stapled to the bench. And it's also not fair to expect him to play mistake-free hockey this early in his career. He's a skilled guy. He's just coming out of college. It's going to take him time to figure it out. And stuff that probably worked for him all the time in college is not working in the NHL because it doesn't work in the NHL. He also hasn't played a full season of of hockey for a while. Like yes. He was injured last season, so he came back and played, what, is it half the year, maybe even that? Pretty sure he missed a lot of time in college, too. Like, he, like he's got to play in Bakersfield. It's the simple answer. And the others know that. I think that's pretty clear with everything that's kind of going on where it's like, okay, we'll just play it. We'll just practice him, play him a few minutes tonight. Like I think that's the plan, but yeah, I think the Kane thing disrupted things and they're just waiting on Benson. That would be my take on it all. What is a AHL season? Is it 65 games? I think it's 74. He played 33 games last year. So he missed a fair chunk. Tyler, what do you see in Dylan Holloway's game? Yeah, I think you guys, I think you guys said a lot of it or covered a lot of it. Um, I just, you know, if you're going to play someone seven minutes, Send him down. Like, this isn't an NHL journeyman that's just, like, hungry for a paycheck and you're keeping him around because he's cheap. This is a guy who you should be looking at and going, we need him to one day be an everyday impact contributor in our top six. And right now, if you're not going to give him the chance to do that, give him a chance to go play 20 minutes a night against pro hockey players, learn a pro system, and all of that stuff. Because you're right, Big Milk. He didn't get a ton of it last year. He didn't play a lot in Bakersfield. He missed most of the season. So let him keep getting reps. Uh, Jason Greger was on Oilers Nation every day today. And uh, he said something along the lines of, you know, there is something to be said about practicing against pros and learning the pro style and all of that kind of stuff. But at some point, the benefits of that are just simply outweighed by playing a lot of game hockey against opponents, competitive atmosphere, all of that. And he will be playing more game hockey down in Bakersfield, so put him down there. Anybody, Dan, do you think, like, is there a reason to keep him? Like, I get the practice thing to an extent, I guess, maybe. You can't, like, I'm, you're never going to convince me that that is better than playing 20 minutes in the AHL. Dan, do you see a reason why he should still be here instead of a, a guy like a Tyler Benson or your boy, Brad Malone? Well, it, I mean, it's hard for me to fight for anybody but Brad Malone. But if I put Brad Malone aside, uh, I, I was on, and I still, I think I am still on the train of keep him here, but... I'm with you guys for two reasons. There's the two reasons you keep him here is the cap space uh, issues, which of course Kane has now alleviated a little bit. And then the second reason you keep him here is if you're ready to be patient with him. And you guys have already pointed it out that uh, clearly this staff is not ready to be patient with him and not ready to give him that shot up on the top lines. So it's foolhardy to keep him up here. If you're going to just keep playing him for seven minutes. Yeah. I mean, it's just like you start him there. 
he fucks something up because he's trying a move that maybe used to work for him in the past. And then he gets bumped right down to the fourth and he's stapled to the bench yeah. all game. I just don't see that's, the value in that. Just to that's be not, that's how we used to keep teach these hockey kids. You know, that's how they used to deal with, with people when they were learning, but we have these AHL programs and it's not as much of a demotion as it used to be either. So I just think that, you know, I, I am still a believer in Dylan Holloway and I, I do think that he could stay on this team if they gave some, if they gave him the, the meaningful patience and, and trust that he needs, but I just don't think that the staff is ready to do that. So send him down. I believe in him too, but I just think, Later. Yeah. yeah. He's feeling hot right now. I think they won like five in a row. So he's going down to a very positive environment. And playing with guys that could contribute with down the line. Yeah. Playing with guys who are thriving too. Like Hamlin's doing great. I believe Ball goes around the point per game player. Like Broberg's doing really well. Kessel Rings having a really good season. Olivier Rodrigue, I guess, like last season, I wrote an article like this guy needs some sustainability. And Do now- you think, Liam? that taking a picture with Tyler and I uh-huh. in Los Angeles is what turned Rodriguez kind of path career path around. Yes. That's what I thought too. Tyler, would you agree? Yeah. I, I just don't see any sort of sound argument against it. Right. Against the fact uh, that you fixed Rodriguez's career. Yes. <laughs> another thing from uh, practice today, Stuart Skinner in the starters net, looking like he's going to get the start tomorrow against LA. My question for you guys like week of games this week. We've got LA on Wednesday. We've got Vegas on Saturday. When is your next start for Jack Campbell? And I also want to run through a couple of points. Mike McKenna over daily face off former NHL goalie kind of walk through what he's seeing in Campbell's game. So first question is when's Campbell get back in that Liam, I'm looking at you. <laughs> Who do they play next week? Jersey so and they've got, than the Rangers. Yep, so they got New Jersey New on Monday, State. New York yep. Islanders on Wednesday, and then the Rangers on Saturday morning. I th- maybe the, the Islanders? I just think it's interesting, too, in Stuart Skinner's case, because what if he plays well both games? Mm-hmm. Do you just sit him because Campbell hasn't played for that long? Or do mm-hmm. you just treat it as, like, reward him like you're rewarding Fogel right now? I think that's how it should be. It should be determined off how well Campbell, uh, how well Skinner plays. And if skin is shit tomorrow, then play Campbell against Vegas. Tyler, what are you doing? I think Skinner, no matter what, for both the home games, even if he like if he gives up seven goals against LA, like hey, maybe we have a different conversation. But as long as he's decent against LA, I go back to him vague against Vegas because I don't think that's a great spot to let Jack Campbell rebuild his confidence. Like, you know, if he plays slightly below average against the Devils on Monday on the road. It's a road game, right? Maybe the Oilers have had a good week beating a couple divisional opponents. Not a lot of pressure there. If he doesn't play great, I think it's whatever. But can you imagine if you put him in against Vegas and how the crowd might react to him having a poor game? Probably wouldn't go that well on a Saturday night. So I would just, I think the risk of rolling him out there against a red hot Golden Knights team is just really high. I also think that if you go Skinner Skinner for the home games, that now means you're at three straight games where Skinner started. The rotation could be back to Campbell Monday. So I think I'd go with him against New Jersey, no matter what. I actually, you know what? I hadn't considered the, just give him a road start next. Take the crowd out of it. Yeah. Actually, fair point. Dan, when are you starting Campbell next? Well, I, I mean, I've been doing the alternating back and forth all season, but right now I would say that it's like two starts for Skinner, one start for Campbell, two starts for Skinner, one start for Campbell until Skinner starts to show any kind of wavering. Like Tyler said, if he gets shelled in one of those games, then you alternate. But I just think that I'm with you guys now. I've listened to a little bit more um, content around Jack Campbell and like his early career and players that he's played with and stuff. And I am starting to wonder if there is some mental stuff there that he just needs some support with and get, you know, get his head out of the game because, because like, like we talked about with the Carolina game, you know, that, that third period was an absolute train wreck for the guy. And if, and if that guy puts a lot of pressure on himself for goals against, well, we left him in for what, seven of them. So anyways, it's uh it's, I think that, yeah, you got to go to Stuart Skinner, Stuart Skinner, and then back to Jack in, where did you say Tyler, New Jersey? Yeah. Jersey. Yeah. So over at daily face off, former NHL goalie, Mike McKenna kind of looked at 
Jack Campbell's game. And I was going to want to ask you a couple of points that McKenna pointed out because I, obviously I'm not an NHL goalie. I hadn't really considered it before. Um, the first point that he makes is his alignment. The quote is goaltending is all about geometry and that minor shoulders and feet should in most instances, when the play is above the goal line form an isosceles triangle with the puck. But right now Campbell is struggling in that aspect of his game. His alignment is often is pretending him from rotating efficiently and getting a square uh, getting square to the shot. One other example of this is that Campbell's right leg tends to kick out a little bit, making moving to his blocker side more difficult in which he has to overcompensate. McKenna going real deep into the mechanics there. Tyler, thoughts? Geometry? Yeah, that might, as, that might as well be a different language for me, so I'm just not even going to go there. But like, I was but, trying to think of an isosceles triangle is. <laughs> <laughs> that's what the two sides one side is short triangle one side is short because that's your shoulders and then you point a triangle out to the puck like yeah. this yeah that's right so you got the yeah. two equal sides and one shorter third interesting yes so there's your isosceles just, triangle and geometry like, lesson for today how is mike mckenna not a goalie coach at that point when he's breaking down guys like that it's uh, and why isn't our goalie coach having that? I don't know. That's that's just I keep coming back to the goalie coach whenever I hear great goalies break down that kind of. I shouldn't say that about Mike McKenna. He wasn't necessarily a great goalie, but he was a good goalie out there, a good hardworking goaltender. And uh, I don't know. Like he's, I don't know. He's not. I, I just put him in with like the Roberto Luongos of the world by calling him great. But. Uh, but anyways, uh, you know, when, when you when you can see that stuff as a late as a, you know, as a person watching the game, it's uh, it's pretty incredible to hear that kind of breakdown. But it is hard for us to speak at any kind of level of, of confidence talking about goalies because they are an enigma. Next up on McKenna's list is patience. When Campbell was at his best with the Toronto Maple Leafs, I thought he was really good about staying patient on his edges. But right now we see him defaulting to his knees too early and too often. Modern goaltending isn't about if a netminder should drop to the ice, it's when. And so he shows some clips there. When you see a goaltender, this is what really stuck out to me from this part because I've noticed this. I even made the joke about putting sandpaper on Campbell's pads. When you see a goaltender sliding around the key crease trying to find the puck, it's never a good sign. And Campbell has a tendency to push past his posts and abandon the net. That's a combination with a team like Edmonton that doesn't block many shots and has struggled to tie up sticks in front of his own net. So it's interesting that even McKenna is... He's just going down a little early, Jack Campbell is. But Liam, what are you looking at? Watching the videos from the the article to try and get an idea of what an isosceles triangle is and also of <laughs> what Jack Campbell's habits are. Uh, yeah, they like when you watch him, I think it's a bit obvious kind of what they are. But there was even like the one at the end of Tampa the other day we spoke about where was it Kalon who scored it? And he was like already so far out of his net. Like yeah. you can see all these things and it's just bad, bad habits. Like hopefully you can just kind of shake them off and just, just relax a little bit. Here's something that I want to bring up from McKenna's article that a little spicier take from Mike over there. Ooh. Equipment issues. Jack Campbell has had a long preference for soft, flexible equipment. He's been resistant to modernization and it's costing him goals against. Uh, there's part where the plat pads are flexing, but most notably, and I think a lot of Oilers fans will register with this one, uh, is the glove. I do think the manufacturer deserves plenty of blame for lacing his glove so loosely, even though Miller has one of the hardest shots in the NHL. This is going back to that Dallas goal that went through the glove, not through the glove. There's no excuse for an equipment failure of this magnitude. But ultimately, Campbell's equipment is his responsibility. He should be checking it regularly for damage or defective parts. Over time, the wedging of a cal uh, catching glove can stretch. Campbell should have noticed that before that goal even went in. I'm with him. I think it's important to know what your equipment is. And yeah, yeah if it's not... Like the roadcaster right here. Yeah, exactly. What can that thing do? You want, I could push this one. We have been hoodwinked, bamboozled, led astray, run amok, and flat out deceived. Sometimes I just got to push that. Feels quite appropriate right now, to be honest. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, like in the, in the article, kind of like for the equipment stuff, like the pad stuff, I was a little unsure what he was talking about, but he like shows, you know, like he zooms in on the picture. And yeah, it's pretty clear that those things aren't up to standards of what an NHL goalie should be needing. So 
sounds harsh to say, but you got to figure it out. If yep. you're, if you're a, a guy you like to hit one time is on the power play, but you stick breaks every time you go to hit it, then you're probably not going to have much success and you're probably going to want to figure out a different kind of stick. So if you can't catch the puck, you're probably going to want to figure out a glove that can catch the puck, right? Dan or Tyler, any thoughts on the equipment point that McKenna makes? Well, it would be crazy to me to for a goalie to expect anybody else to be looking at his equipment, let al- you know, let alone him not looking at his equipment. So yeah, it's it's uh, that that's a fair point. I don't think that that's there's anything wrong with another goalie saying that, especially Tyler lounging. I have nothing to add. <laughs> Tyler hates goalies. Excellent conversation. <laughs> uh, lastly, the point that McKenna makes is confidence. I mean, that one's pretty obvious. We all know what that means. You feel good, right, Liam? I'm feeling good. Are you? You're relaxing. You're lounging. You should. I've got this uh, mic on a tilt so I can lean back even further. <laughs> <laughs> uh, tomorrow night against the Los Angeles Kings, the Weathers World debut with their reverse retros. Just real quick, since Waz posted it on Instagram, if you got your choice of the next reverse retro, just which jersey from Oilers history are you picking? Dan? It has to be the WHA Oilers flipped where the, instead of the Oiler logo being blue, it's orange. Tyler? I'd say I want to see a copper and blue 06 cup run era of some sort. Me too. That's my pick. 100%. Liam? Um, oh yeah, I kind of like that one too. Yeah, I'll go with that one as well. The only one I don't want to see is the weird pajama one with the piping. Like that one can just, Oh yeah. That was just that was terrible. Yeah, that was uh, I want to well, give a shout out to our friends at Twig and Berries. If you go to twigandberries.ca, use the promo code nation 15, you'll get a little discount on your order. ODR season's coming. Go check out the ODR line, or maybe you just need some nutsack undies. Very comfortable, very supportive. They've also got some socks there. Everything you need. Upgrade your wardrobe. Go to twigandberries.ca. Use the promo code nation 15. Uh, a couple of quick milestones that we could be looking out for this week. Tyson Berry is two games away from playing a 700th NHL game. So provided he's able to stay healthy, that'll come on Saturday against Vegas. Keller Yamamoto. Uh, did Gregor give an update on organization every day? What's going on with him, Tyler? Uh, he could be back by the road trip. So Keller Yamamoto, one game away from his 200th NHL game could come Monday. Yes. Maybe. Right? Who knows? Uh, next thing I want to dive into is yesterday on the DFO rundown, Tyler, first thing in the morning, you sent us a clip from former Edmonton Oilers goalie Devin Dubnik talking about one of his teammates. And I just kind of want to, since it's ripping our our website apart right now in both the traffic and the comment section, I just wanted to get your take because you were actually listening to it. Devin Dubnik calling Nail Yakupov an idiot. Okay. So I I think the context is important here. I don't think Devin Dubnik was calling Nail Yakubov like a stupid person or anything along those lines. The question he was asked from Gregor was, did was there ever a teammate who was notoriously bad for shooting up at your ears during practice? And Dubnik described the one scenario where they would do a drill where they were shooting like you'd come off the low out of the corner and shoot. And Yakubov kept trying to pick the corner up by Dubnik's ears and Dubnik got mad at him. And then the part that maybe got a little bit personal was when it was like, oh, well, did he ever figure it out? And Dubnik was like, no, clearly he didn't. Where is he now? Like along those lines, I'm paraphrasing a bit. Um, So I don't think he was like being mean or malicious with the idiot thing. He was talking about like in the moment, shooting up at a guy's ears when he's your teammate over and over again in practice is idiotic. So um, it was nice to have a great, honest answer come out of the interview. That was great. Dubnik just told it like it was for kind of that entire interview. And I found it a little refreshing. So I don't know. Some people were like, I saw getting mad about it being like, oh, that's disrespectful. You shouldn't be shitting on former teammates. But like, it's not like he Dubnik came on and was like, I hate him. I, I, I never want to see him again. He was just like, hey, he always shot up by my ears. He just answered the question honestly. And I liked it. Uh, Gregor asked, is there a former teammate that was notorious for shooting up high in practice? Dubnik's answer was, oh, Nail Yakupov. This guy was an idiot, a complete idiot. I tried to explain to him we were doing a low drive from the corner and he's zipping these things past my ear because he's trying to hit the elbow. And I tried to explain to him, you realize there are three outcomes here. You miss the net, you score, or you hit me in the ear. I hate all three of those. If you want to practice this shot, go do it at the other end. Gregor says, did he ever get it? Obviously not. He's nowhere to be found, so I don't think he hit the elbow too often 
Liam, you got a little smirk on your face. Though. What do you think? <laughs> Fe- feels a little personal. <laughs> yeah, I, just, I just thought it was so good. I love it. It was one of those ones where for me, it's just like he gave a genuine answer. Yeah. And we don't ever get that in hockey. I, and it was spicy and I loved it. I liked how quickly he was to answer. Like he knew what the answer was when he was about to <laughs> give it out. I don't think I kind of agree with Tyler. I don't think he was personally taking shots at Yakupov. I think just in that instant incident, it was like, yeah, he was an idiot when he used to do this shit to me. But there's also like a lot of other good things that came from that Dubnik <laughs> thing. Like he spoke about how, forget uh, if it might be wrong, Tyler, but he spoke about basically he was pretty much done, right? At one point, and then he signed with Minnesota. Yeah, like he talked a lot about the redemption arc of his career and how like, you know, after his stint in Montreal, he was kind of like, oh man, like, I don't even want to be doing this that much. Um, but he talked about his attitude through it all. Talked about the end of his time as an oiler. It was just a really, really good interview. Well, if you look at it just really quickly, if you don't remember Devin Dubnik, like the end of Devin Dubnik in Edmonton, 2013-14, in that offseason, Craig McTavish, who was asked if Devin Dubnik would be the starter for this team, he said that... A quote that everybody knew. If you have to ask the question, you know, tend to know the answer. That season, Dubnik finished up 32 games with the Oilers with a nine eight with an eight and ninety-four. He then went to the Nashville Predators, where he only got two starts, finished with an eight fifty, and then was traded to Montreal, but he did not play for the Montreal Canadiens. He played eight games in the AHL for the Hamilton Bulldogs, their affiliate. The next season rebounded a little bit in Arizona. He got 19 starts and a nine sixteen. He then moved on to the Minnesota Wild kind of really really took off from there at least until 2019-2020 did we trade him for Ma- Matt Hendricks mm-hmm. you bet you betcha well, 20, January 15th 2014 traded from the Edmonton Oilers to the Nashville Predators for Matt Hendricks he was then traded from the Nashville Predators to the Montreal Canadiens for future considerations those are still not listed still waiting for those Nashville I don't know how far in the future those considerations are coming down the pipe but then he signed in Arizona as a free agent. Traded from the Arizona Coyotes to the Minnesota Wild for a third-round pick, which turned into Brendan Warren. There you go. Matt Hendricks. He was the reason the Oilers didn't make the playoffs the year in 20-whatever that was. He also got hit in the ball a little bad. Because we didn't have him. You, Liam, are you thinking of Tobias Reeder? Yeah. If he had only scored 10 to 12 more no, goals. No, 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 no. So Matt Hendricks... Did he get traded to Winnipeg or did he drive he got, to Winnipeg? He got traded to Winnipeg. Yeah, he uh, he drove signed. No, and, no he signed and drove. And yeah. So I think the Oilers kind of missed him a little bit. And yeah, then they, they missed the playoffs. It's a bit of an out there take, but I think he played a big role in when he was in Edmonton. I'm being serious right now. I think he played a big the, role in Edmonton. I'm just showing was, Liam now. A picture of Matt Hendricks after he got smoked oh, in the balls. You can see me twice on the screen. Oh, that looks, yeah, that looks. Liamception. Took his glove off. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, uh, if you get cranked in the balls at the NHL level, come on. And if you remember, I asked, who did I ask, Tyler? I asked somebody about NHL players not wearing cans on the real life podcast. Strutty. No, it wasn't Strutty. Luke Gazdick. I asked Luke Gazdick if it was true that players, there are some players that do not wear cans in the NHL. And he said, yes, at least one on every team. That feels stupid. Yeah. How do I two? Yeah. I played, I played high school football without a cup for the first like three games on D line. It was stupid. When I played, when I played cricket, you had to wear a cup and there was one guy, when you were batting, you had to wear one because guys are bowling at you. And there was one guy who didn't just shared the cup though. No, 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 he didn't share a cup. Damn. Well, he only had to wear it when he was batting, so I assumed it was like a helmet in baseball, <laughs> but you just put on the cup. Uh, this one guy wasn't wearing one, and the ball bounced funny and like bounced right under his legs and caught yeah. him in the twig and berries. Yeah. Former Edmonton Oiler Dennis Grabishkov had his nut ruptured from a slap shot. Oh, so. Okay. Tyler, you look good. That's got to be a clip for socials. <laughs> oh, he got his nut ruptured. Tyler is no longer participating in the podcast. He's just excited for word association. Yeah, we were shitting on word association before this got started. So 
maybe that's why Tyler's a little grumpy right now. So we will get to that right now to wrap up the podcast with a little bit of word association from Tyler for our friends at Canada Snowboard on December 10th. The FIS Snowboard Big Air World Cup is coming right here to Edmonton. Tickets available at Ticketmaster, Commonwealth Stadium. You can be there. Watch some of the best snowboarders on earth flying high with all kinds of style. Experience a world-class mashup of snowboarding and style right here in Edmonton. A heightened fan experience grants you front row seats to watch the best snowboarders on earth go head-to-head in the largest stadium big air contest Canada has ever seen. Get your tickets at Ticketmaster.ca. I want to give a shout-out to Toyota and Explore Edmonton for making that happen. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Tyler Uramchuk, how many words do you got for us and what is your order? I have three word associations for you guys. The order today... It's not that many, I know. (laughs) People have been ragging on the segment, but we love it. The order is going to go Liam, Bagged Milk, Dan, and then me. Okay, I can do this. Liam, Bagged Milk, Dan. Liam, Bagged Milk, Dan. Okay. (laughs) The state of Jack Campbell's game. Oh, stinky. Painful. Shaky. I'll say shattered. Oof. Ooh, devastating. That one hurts. <laughs> wow. Oh, that Stuart one Skinner's mustache. <laughs> cool. Ride. Epic. Luscious. Uh, I also see Tyler's luscious mustache is growing in. It looks really nice on the Zoom call today, pal. Uh, there's actually something about the lighting and the way the cameras work that make it look better. So if you're one of those people who's only seen it on video and you're like, that's embarrassing, try seeing it in person. All right. <laughs> the reverse retros that the Oilers will wear tomorrow night. Liam? Bad. Meh. Delightful. Orangey. I guess I shouldn't say bad when Dan owns it. I owned it before the Oilers made it. Yeah, thanks yeah. for shitting on my creation. <laughs> yeah, that was nice of you. The other thing that's interesting about that one to me is just like, why didn't they do the OG one? Yeah, I will say, I do like Tom Gazzola tweeted this out. They're gonna have like a cool, the cool 3D logo on the side with like that nice patch. I always liked that patch. I the feel Oilers, like when I the see Oilers the badge one. looking one. Yeah, see me on the helmets. I feel like when I actually see them on the ice, I'll like them a little bit more. I think it's going to make the orange really pop. What pants are they wearing? Well, yeah, like I want to see the no full pants. Kit. Zero no pants, pants, I think. Yeah. 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 Chimp pads and cups only. Yeah. Twig and Berry sponsored game. <laughs> Just dick out. Dick out on a Wednesday night. Uh, I'm curious to see what the whole kind of kit looks like as well. Like, what are the what is the pants yeah. look like? What are the colors of the socks like? Are those going to be have the orange kind of trim? Oh no, no. Tom, I bet you they them. didn't order new pants. Did they? They ordered new pants. Well, it's wow. just pant covers, um, and they're all navy with uh, the oil drop patch on them. Is that how because that works, Tyler? I didn't know that. It's just a cover you slide over. Oh, sorry, bag milk. You can ask him now what a snack is. 
Yeah, I want to know uh, what Tyler's eating. What kind of, what are you enjoying over there, buddy? I didn't have time for lunch, and the only thing I have next to me is this Costco-sized bag of Jelly Bellies. Ah, uh, there yes. you go. What flavor is in this? Oh, yeah. it's like a lot. Oh, there's a lot. There's oh, a mix oh, bag oh. there. Remember when he was judging us earlier in this episode? Can I give you guys a hot food take? Yes. Sure. The like top two flavors, top two flavors of Jelly Bellies, without a doubt, are buttered popcorn and toasted marshmallow. What the fuck is wrong with you? What? Buttered popcorn? So good. <laughs> I can buy toasted marshmallow, but buttered popcorn, there's no way. It's so good. Those are so plain, Tyler. Like, do you like and you know that everything else? Of, I think we're due on this podcast when everybody's in the same room to do another little round of uh, Coombs trivia with the weird yes. jelly belly we used to do yes. way back on Owen Radio. What good. is that? So we would just do Bamboozled. like someone put together some trivia and we would have a little bowl of mixed jelly bellies in the middle and some of them were okay and then other ones tasted awful. Oh. So if you got it wrong, you had to play a little roulette. You like to taste it earwax, Liam? Because you're going to taste it. Which is delicious. Spends on day of the week. Yep. This is my personal preference stuff, you know? Everybody likes their own brand. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Before we wrap up the podcast, a couple of things I want to get to on November 26th. That is a 11 a.m. start. We are having the brunch for Ben at Soho on Jasper Ave here in Edmonton. Tickets are about half sold from what I've seen so far, so they are moving. Dan, we've got a bunch of stuff going on, including Tyler's going to be doing Oilers Nation every day live on location. We're going to have a coloring contest for kids. We have got all kinds of prizes to give away, and we are also raising some money for the Stelter family, who will then be donating that to a charity of their choice. Anything else I'm missing, Dan? You got it correct. It just came over the wire. We got our prize confirmed for the kids coloring contest. That's comes from our friends at sports closet. That's a $150 gift card for one lucky child that draws a coloring contest page that Kennedy is making, uh, is going to win $150 to our friends at sport closet who also bring you Tyler's studio. Yeah. I'll also ask for my friend Liam because I know you're wondering what is the max age for the children's coloring contest? 12. 12. 12 or 26. Liam. <laughs> Sorry, Liam. Divide 12. You know, multiply. It doesn't work. Sorry. What will the what will the, the coloring what will they be coloring? Do we have that yet? I do, actually. It's a it's a it's a secret. We're keeping it a secret for now. It's something special and unique to Ben. Ben Stelter. Can we see it in the Oilers Nation Radio group text after? Uh, I can get it from Kennedy, and then, yeah, I can. Excellent. Awesome. Uh, The other thing I want to mention is we just launched the Next Nation Vacation to Toronto. This one is coming up in March. We have got a hell of a weekend planned, including a hockey night in Canada game between the Oilers and the Leaves, and you will be sitting and watching that in a suite. That's sweet. At the Scotiabank uh, Arena. Thank you, Liam. Uh, Thank you. Um, so tickets are on sale now. We've already moved a couple. People are coming. Got to be excited. That is happening in March. If you're looking for a mid-March getaway, I could think of no better time for you to come to Toronto with Tyler, Dan, and I. It's Maybe it's a coming. bougie one, too, and that's what I kind of like about this. We're staying at the uh, Fairmont Royal, York, Royal York, right? That's what it's called? Correct. Correct. Yeah, the Royal York. Ooh. You know, we're getting sitting in a suite with unlimited food. The logo for this trip is gold. Very cool stuff. It's You can get tickets to the brunch for Ben, or if you want to come to Toronto with us in March, tickets are available there as well. Or they can do both bag milk. I suggest you do. There you may even see me circumventing the coloring contest age limit. <laughs> you may. Me and Liam will be scribbling in a corner when nobody's watching. <laughs> That's what we'll be doing. Uh, any final thoughts on the Tuesday episode of Oilers Nation Radio? Dan, Tyler, or Liam? Go Oilers, go. I just have to say with this reverse retro release, I think it's so silly that fans couldn't order it until the day that they're playing the game yeah. with it on. So that some of the fans, so if you don't if you don't go to the if you can't get to the Rick store, I mean the Oilers store, uh downtown or whatever you and you you also don't want to be able to pick up a blank 
reverse retro or a McDavid or a dry saddle. Cause those are the only options that are available right now out at stores that we've seen. Uh, you have to order it online and that can take four to six weeks. So you may only be able to wear that for one game that they get to wear the Jersey for, or two, depending on what your January looks like. I think that's silly. Disrespectful. Gay Todd Haas also. Yeah. Think of what he's thinking right now going through. Yeah. I am so tired of the others doing shitty stuff to the fans like this. Go on. Well, well, it's an NHL thing, by the way, just so you know. It is the whole uh, NHL is the same. Back but, my point. But sorry. still. I wanted to hear the rest of the rest. I was just going to say, all this plus the prices yes. of food and everything like that. Like, Keep this, going, Liam. Keep going. Oh. List them all. Let's go. Bob Nicholson. Let's go. Drop it all. Brutal forever. And now we're actually good. And now it costs so much to go and watch them. Like, just drives me bonkers. Come on. <laughs> I also love seeing Sonny Milano do well in Washington. We had an opportunity to get that guy in this city, but anyways. Shout out to the Flames for letting him go for nothing. Yeah, hey, that's all right. But <laughs> I want to give a shout out to our friends at DoorDash, Oodle Noodle, Twiggy Berries in Canada, Snowboard for making this all possible. But most importantly, you for listening to this podcast. Tyler, don't even think about pushing that button because I'm going to push it right now. Thank <laughs> Thanks for listening to Oilers Nation Radio, delivered by DoorDash. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button and give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.